Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 314. Have you heard of something called ship classes? Are you trying to figure out what the difference is between Royal Caribbean ships? I'm going to break down the differences in this week's episode as we talk all about how Royal Caribbean classifies its ships. Here we go. I've gotten a lot of requests for this week's episode. In fact, I've probably gotten more requests for this particular type of topic over the last couple of weeks and months than any other topic. And part of the reason why I've delayed recording this episode is because the answer to this topic is a little more difficult to answer today. If we had recorded this episode back in 2014, 2015, it would have been far easier. But we'll get to that in a minute. But we're talking about Royal Caribbean ship classes on this episode. And let's talk about what ship classes are, because if you're new to Royal Caribbean, if you're new to cruising, you're probably going to hear the term or read the term classes of ships or Oasis class or Voyager class or Radiance class. And to a new cruiser, this really is meaningless. It's like, okay, what does that mean exactly? Classes of ships are basically how Royal Caribbean categorizes its vessels. There's 20, right now, 26 ships in Royal Caribbean's fleet. Now, not all ships are the same, and basically, each cruise line, including Royal Caribbean, classifies the ships. They group them based on their structure and the size of the ship and some of the amenities on board. It's a lot like cars. Cars are a great example of this. When we talk about automobiles, there's a lot of kind of automobiles. You've got sedans, you've got compacts, you've got pickup trucks, you've got minivans, right? You When you hear a minivan, or you hear a pickup truck, or you hear a sedan, there are certain types of characteristics that instantly pop in your head. The same is true for cruise ships, right? And when we're talking about ship classes, we're talking about, generally speaking, the size of the ship, the general structure of the ship, meaning like if you were to look at the superstructure, what it entails, and some other features as well. And I mentioned earlier how a couple of years ago, this has been a whole lot easier. And what I mean by that is over the last oh, I don't know, 10 years or so, Royal Caribbean has been taking its ship classes and differentiating them in between each ship. Back in the day, when you had different ships in a class, they were pretty much carbon copies of each other. You know, you would go on a, a if you were talking about a Freedom class ship or a Voyager class ship or a Radiance class ship, you know, you could take one and they were really interchangeable. You know, you might have a different main dining room theme, perhaps a different show or two on the ship, but really... If you were blindfolded and dropped in one or the other, you, it'd be pretty hard pressed to know the differences without really having known like, oh, this ship has this particular piece of art versus that one. But in the last decade or so, Royal Caribbean has really engaged a major program to upgrade its ships and offer different amenities. And to their credit, they haven't carbon copied what they do across each ship. They look at each ship as an opportunity to say, okay, what's the best way to enhance this ship at this given time, whether that's adding new dining venues, adding new signature activities, adding new shows. I mean, there's a lot of ways they've been able to enhance their ships over the last couple of years. And perhaps you've also heard of an ongoing program that's currently happening called Royal Amplified. And Royal Amplified is a major program in which some of Royal Caribbean's largest ships are getting some of its newest features and cool things. Now, why am I telling you all this instead of talking about the classes of ships? Well, it's important to understand that a lot of the fleet is changing in this regard, and that's why it's going to be so difficult to lump them all together. But we're going to try my, I'm going to try my best here to explain all this to you, and I hope it makes sense to you. And you have to understand that when we talk about ships within a class, they are not 
carbon copies of each other anymore. Uh, they really, some of them are very different than others, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, my hope is that this episode will allow you to give a better understanding of what a ship class is and the major differences between them. So look, we're going to go in descending order from largest to smallest in, in some respects, and I think this will make the most sense. We're going to start with the biggest cruise ships in the world, Royal Caribbean's Oasis-class ships. Oasis-class ships are the latest and greatest ships. Uh, they first start out with Oasis of the Seas, and you're talking about Oasis, Allure, Harmony, and Symphony of the Seas. Oasis-class ships can handle just about 5,500 passengers and have gross tonnage of over 225,000 tons. Now, these are the biggest ships in the fleet. These are the latest and greatest. If you see a Royal Caribbean commercial, you are probably seeing an Oasis class. Why would you want to choose an Oasis class ship? Because you want it all. You want it all on one ship. The latest features, tons of activities, and great dining. I mean, there's just a, a plethora, an overwhelming, in a good way, amount of things to do on board an Oasis class ship. We're talking about the neighborhood model. You've got Central Park. You've got the Boardwalk. You've got the Aqua Theater, Broadway Musicals, Water slides available on Harmony and Symphony currently, although water slides are being added to Oasis and Allure of the Sea, so that's coming soon. You've got the zip line. You've got two Flowrider Surf Simulators, Carousel, Ice Skating Rink, Loft Suites, Outdoor Movie Screen, and an Adults-Only Solarium Pool Area. Bottom line is these are the biggest ships in the fleet, the newest ones. There's actually two more Oasis-class ships that are going to be built in the next couple of years, so this is really the, the pride of Royal Caribbean's fleet. And the Oasis class is the biggest ones. The great thing about Oasis class ships is they're great for families. They're great for everybody. I really don't know anyone who wouldn't benefit from an Oasis class. Is what I always recommend to new cruisers as well because they just offer everything. And a lot of people will, and I know there's some people who right now yelling at their at their iPhone, at their car, at their spouse, and be like, "You can't believe Matt just said that." I started off cruising on Sovereign of the Seas and Song of Norway, and those were great ships, and I loved cruising. Yes, you're, there's nothing wrong with those ships by any means. But today, the reason why I recommend Oasis class on our next class ships as well, that we'll get to in a second, is because they offer everything. And for new cruisers, they just don't know what they want necessarily. And I think by having the most choice it gives you the best opportunity to figure out what kind of cruising experience you like and then go from there. Again, not to say that any of these ships are not great choices for first-timers, but if you want my opinion, I think Oasis class is the best choice to start out with because again, it offers the most. Now, the next class ships we're going to talk about are the Quantum class. And the Quantum class ships were designed to take Royal Caribbean into the next century. Well, I guess the century we're in now, the 21st century. And it really tries to blend high-tech as long with a tried-and-true family vacation experience. These are more stylish ships that, if you were to ask me, resemble, in some regards, Royal Caribbean's sister company, Celebrity Cruise Line ships. And you have to understand that quantum-class ships have signature features that are only found on these ships. They kind of stand out because not only are they new, but they also offer, again, some features and amenities that just aren't replicated anywhere else on the fleet. And they're also well-suited for, for cold weather, which is a really neat feature, something you won't find with the aforementioned Oasis class. So you've got Quantum of the Seas, Anthem of the Seas, Ovation of the Seas, and then you've also got Spectrum of the Seas, and next year we're going to have the addition of Odyssey of the Seas. But put an asterisk next to the Spectrum and Odyssey. They are technically considered Quantum Ultra class. It's really hard to understand the difference. Even I am not a thousand percent sure on them because the first Quantum Ultra class ship was Spectrum of the Seas, and Spectrum went to was designed for and was deployed to China. 
And when we talk about the Chinese cruise market, they're out every rule, policy, and game plan because China's a completely different animal. It's almost like its own little cruise line over there. So I don't spend too much time talking about it because quite frankly, we don't have much of an audience that's listening to us in China, but also because it doesn't really apply to North American, European, or even Australian sailing. So it's kind of an anomaly and it's next ship, Odyssey of the Seas, we're not even sure what it's going to entail, but essentially the spectrum of the seas, the quantum ultra class, at the very least is a longer, not, not wider, but longer ship than her sister's quantum anthem innovation. The reason why you want to choose a quantum class is it's really great for families looking to do lots on board along with some incredible features. And when people tell me that they've got older kids, especially teenagers, I always recommend the quantum class ships to them. There's a ton for them to do on there. So the quantum class highlights, you've got North Star, which is that observation pod that brings you up like 300 feet up in the air. You've got Ripcord by iFly, which is a skydiving simulator. You've got the C-Plex. Those three features alone are uncopied on any other ship across the fleet. So it's a really big uh, selling point. You've also got the Flowrider. You've got 270. You've got virtual balcony stateriums. You have 3D movies, loft suites, music hall, Broadway musicals, outdoor movie screen, and the adults-only solarium pool area. The Quantum Class ships are probably the hardest ships to explain compared to the rest of the fleet, just because they're not following the lineage of the other ships we're going to be talking about. They're in their own category, obviously, literally, and also figuratively, because Royal Caribbean really took a departure from what they had been building when they designed Quantum of the Seas, and they've gone off with this Quantum Class design, which again, to me, takes some of the ideas and concepts from Celebrity Cruise Line, which is Royal Caribbean's sister company, and blended it with Royal Caribbean, and they really wanted to break the mold with the Quantum Class. And I think it's, first of all, it's great for families. Again, the C-Plex, you've got North Star, Ripcord by iFly, 270. These are all venues that are just so interesting and unique that they make for really interesting options. Now, you'll probably find one of the other big differences between the Quantum Class and the aforementioned Oasis Class is where they sail from. Currently, as they're recording this podcast, Quantum of the Seas is over in Asia. You've got Anthem of the Seas in Bayonne, New Jersey, although Anthem will be spending next summer in the Southampton, United Kingdom. And Ovation of the Seas spends her time, splits her time right now between Alaska and Australia, and Spectrum is, is in China, as, as we mentioned. And Odyssey of the Seas is supposed to come over to North America as well as Europe. So again, that's more, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But the bottom line is you may notice that we're not talking about Florida. We're not talking about the Caribbean currently. And that's also a big differentiator with these ships is that you're going to different places. Now, of course, Anthem can go to the Caribbean, but it sails out of New Jersey. So again, maybe what we're talking about here is more specialized itineraries and also access to different ports, right? Anthem out of New Jersey, Ovation out of Australia, or in this case, Seattle for the Alaska cruise market and Quantum and Spectrum over in China. So we're, you know, that's also, I think, a big differentiator between the other classes of ships. Next up is the Freedom Class, and Royal Caribbean's Freedom Class ships offer a big ship experience with plenty to see and do on board. In fact, Royal Caribbean has been adding a lot of features over the years, and the Freedom Class, again, has been one that's changed a lot with the Royal Amplified program. You've got three ships in the Freedom Class ships, Freedom of the Seas, Liberty of the Seas, and Independence of the Seas. Now, the Freedom Class offers an aquapark, rock climbing wall, ice skating rink, British style pub, Royal Promenade, shopping, solarium, outdoor movie screen, panoramic state rooms, Flowrider surf simulator, and water slides currently on Liberty and Independence of the Seas, although that may change with Freedom because she's getting her refurbishment coming up next year. We don't know the details yet. 
The Freedom Class ships are one of the sweet spots, along with her sister class. We're coming up next. We'll talk about that. But the reason to choose Freedom Class is you want a big ship experience, but you don't want the premium price tag that the Oasis Class and the Quantum Class command. Right now, Royal Caribbean's Oasis and Quantum Class will cost you the most because they're the newest and greatest. And when we talk about pricing, generally speaking, you're going to find the highest prices for the newest and latest and greatest ships. That's the Oasis Class and the Quantum Class. Freedom Class, which aren't that old, are just, they're not as new. And by that reason, they enjoy a much lower pricing, but you're not compromising. You're not saying, well, I'm going down to a smaller class of ships. It's still a big ship, plenty to do on board without that price tag. And it's great for people who are on a budget or just want to simply enjoy some of the best value Royal Caribbean offers. Now, her sister class, the Voyager class, of which there are ships that are like Voyager, Explorer, Adventure, Navigator, and Mariner of the Seas, I need to explain both the Voyager and the Freedom class together because they are so similar. Basically, a Freedom class ship is a elongated version of the Voyager class. Uh, basically, take a Voyager class ship, stretch it out, add some more, keep going a little bit further in the back, and you've essentially got a Freedom class ship. And we're going to talk a lot interchangeably, quite frankly, between the Voyager class and the Freedom class, and it's for good reason because they're just so similar. Now, again, about 10 years ago, this would have been so easy to explain but my gosh, these two classes of ships, the Voyager class and the Freedom class, have changed so much that some of them are just in their own ballparks now. You know, uh, you may have heard on this podcast myself talking, waxing poetically, not even talking, I've been talking a lot about Mariner and Navigator of the Seas because Mariner and Navigator just got major refurbishments that have added a ton of options on there. Voyager will be undergoing that later this year, and you've got Explore and Adventure with refurbishments coming up later, although we don't know the details of those uh, to do that. The nice reason to choose choose a Voyager class ship is there's still plenty to do on board, and of course the newly added features and terrific pricing. If you were saying, Matt, I want to go on a Royal Caribbean ship, I want to have the best things Royal Caribbean has to offer, but I do not want to break the bank, I'm not willing to pay top dollar, I can't pay top dollar, I want to save, get the best absolute value, there is no doubt in my mind you're talking about a Voyager class ship. Not only that, Mariner and Navigator of the Seas offer three and four night sailing. So if you said everything I just said, and you're only looking to do maybe a weekend sailing or a really short one, then this is the choice for you. You know, again, there's five ships in this in this class. So again, you know, Mariner and Navigator are almost in their own little class, and then Adventure, Explorer, and Voyager are just, they're, they're, they're all over the place. I mean, it, it's so, again, this is why I'm like, I literally have my hand in my hair right now trying to explain the differences are trying to, it's hard to understand, but the Voyager class, when they first were introduced, revolutionized the industry with some of its features. And when we talk about cruising today, it's hard to imagine ships without the features we talk about on the Voyager class. The the, the Royal Promenade, ice skating, they all, the rock climbing wall, if I'm not mistaken, all were started on the Voyager class. And now they're just on every ship. Oh, not every ship, and some of the aren't. But, you know, new ships today, have to almost seems like they have to have some sort of a royal promenade, ice skating, the rock climbing wall. I mean, these are all features that we we've come to love and enjoy. And just like the larger freedom class ships, Voyager class ships offer a terrific value and some incredible itineraries. And the the best part about this is that, again the fact that they're still investing in these ships, adding some new features there. What Royal Caribbean has done with Navigator and Mariner of the Seas has been an absolute home run. I've been on both since their refurbishments and. The, um, the staggering amount of options and amenities they've added to these ships 
have transformed them. And when we talk about Navigator and Mariner, I almost want to separate them into their own class because they are just in this like Voyager Plus class that that is just so dynamic and different that they stand out to me. And, and I love them. And I almost talk about now the Navigator and Mariner of the Seas in the same way I talk about Oasis class or Quantum class ships in that, oh, you're going on Royal Caribbean or you're looking to go on Royal Caribbean. These are the ships you want to try first. It's, it's that compelling. Now, again, please don't take this as a slight on Voyager, Explorer, or Adventure. They're getting their fair share of changes coming up. And they're still a great class. And I wouldn't hesitate to go on any of them. I was just on Explorer of the Seas before refurbishment uh, last year to, to Alaska. Had a great time on there. And Adventure of the Seas is, is all over the map. I haven't been on Adventure or Voyager yet. I'm hoping to do so. But you know what? The Voyager class and their, and their Freedom class ships are really nice ships. Uh, wonderful. Uh, let's go back to the Freedom, though, really quick. Because we're talking about three great ships here. Freedom, Liberty, Independence. And where they sail from, at least today, at the recording of this podcast, makes a big difference. Liberty sails out of Galveston. Freedom sails out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. And Independence really goes back and forth between Europe and and North America, primarily Fort Lauderdale, and then Southampton. But again, this can change depending on... So obviously everything I'm telling you about deployments, keep in mind if you're listening to this episode, uh, you know, three years from now, hi, welcome from the past. But obviously this information is subject to change. But I love these ships. I I, I will tell you that Freedom of the Seas especially is one I've been on a lot. Love that ship. It's a classic Royal Caribbean ship. I, think the, I really think Freedom and Voyager class ships are probably the heart of the fleet currently they are you know you you've got like you know we talk, let's let's bring some sports analogies into this is that you know you've got the guy who maybe hits all the home runs or throws all the touchdown passes right and they get all the headlines but oftentimes when we talk about a great team you talk about the heart of the team the maybe the 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 guy who's in the locker room who leads everybody on and kind of is that force that keeps everybody together this is what we're talking about here the freedom class and the voyager class they are at the heart of the fleet, and if you are at a point in your cruising career where you've done Harmony of the Seas and you've done Anthem of the Seas, you're saying, man, I want something different, something, what else should I go do next? Like, when you're talking about maybe not the most obvious one or two choices, this is the way to go. No question about it. Voyager class, Freedom class, because they are still big ships. You're not going to feel like you're, you're hunkered down anywhere. There's lots to do on board, and the value on them is absolutely tremendous. Love that. Now let's move on to the Radiance class. And the Radiance class is a, is a smaller class of ships. They combine lots of glass and open areas to provide guests with a classic cruise experience. These are stylish ships that get into a lot of the smaller ports around the world that other large ships cannot. But Radiance class really don't skip on things to do. There's lots of great dining opportunities, live entertainment. And I will tell you that if you speak to most Royal Caribbean veterans, people that have cruised for, let's say, over 10 years, okay, they will almost certainly, if you mention, hey, what do you think of the Radiance class? You, It's almost like talking about, you know, uh, a, a old high school love that, that got away. It's like, ah, the Radiance class. It was, you know, they, they love it. It's wonderful. I mean, the reason to choose a Radiance class ship is these are beautiful ships that offer a time-honored cruise experience with a connection to the ocean itself. Again, we talked about the uh, lots of glass. You can see the ocean from everywhere. A lot, of, probably the number one thing that I hear that people don't enjoy about, say, an Oasis class ship is that it's very hard to see the ocean. Now, that doesn't matter to me. I don't really don't care, but <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But other people do mind. They want to be able to see the ocean. They might be able to walk around and be like, oh, look, there's beautiful waves or there's an island we're passing by. 
I don't know, White Skies kind of miss out on that, especially compared to a Radiance-class ship. And for Radiance-class ships, we're talking about Radiance of the Seas, Brilliance of the Seas, Serenade of the Seas, and Jewel of the Seas. And I have, when I first started cruising, we didn't go on these ships. We primarily went on, well, back then, you know, it was really, we're talking about the Voyager Freedom and, and Oasis-class ships, right? And when we chose Jewel of the Seas, that was our first Radiance-class ship. That was out of San Juan, Puerto Rico. That was actually one of the first podcast episodes we recorded here, for those of you keeping score at home. And I, I think I shared the story. We, we drove up to the port in our taxi in San Juan, and my wife started giggling because she thought the ship was, like, it was so small, relatively speaking, to the ships we had been used to. But what the, what the Radiance, class, Radiance class lacks in size, it makes up for in character. It is a, a wonderful ship to sail on. And, you know, you've got, uh, got glass-covered elevators You've got uh, sunlit spaces. Uh, one, some of the problem, I would even argue, one of the most beautiful solarium areas. Self-leveling pool tables, an outdoor movie screen, indoor movie theater. This is the only class of ships that has an indoor movie theater. Uh, mini golf. They're wonderful, and they sail to ports all over. The Radiance class is really well known in Europe. They do. Uh, they really spend. I think. Uh, yes, I'm looking at the list now. They all go to Europe every year. There's some because they are smaller. Some ports you can't fit into. Uh, the larger classes of ships. So these are wonderful ships to sail out of. And if you're talking about North America, I go on Brilliance of the Seas probably once a year out of Tampa. It's a great ship to sail on. Serenade usually does longer sailings in in the Caribbean. Radiance and Jewel as well offer some really interesting itineraries. I will tell you that if you are at the point in your cruising career where you really want to change it up, mix it up, choose a Radiance class. You will not be disappointed by this. It is smaller, but... Again, this is a classic example of size does not matter. Uh, to you know, this is not the end all be all of what it's all about. And I think the Radiance class offers enough to do on board to to keep the attention of most people. And we probably need to take a moment here because we're talking about the Radiance, the Vision class, and all the other ships in the fleet about kids. Because I get this question all the time, Matt. I'm going. I'm thinking of going on a Radiance class ship, a Vision class ship. Sovereign, uh, sovereign of the Seas is gone, but um, so Sovereign class ship like Majesty of the Seas or Empress, you know, are my kids going to be bored? Are we going to run out of things to do? And my answer to, to people about this is always the same, which is that number one thing you want to do is understand what the ship offers and what it doesn't offer. This is very important because you can't look, you cannot compare Brilliance of the Seas or Jewel of the Seas to Harmony of the Seas. You just can't. It's not, it's not a fair comparison. You know, it's like saying, uh, you know, you're going to be driving a, a Hyundai a two-door vehicle and you're complaining because it can't haul the same stuff that your uh, Toyota Tundra could haul, right? It's like, well, one's a pickup truck. One has, I don't know, a V8 engine. One has a little, you know, I don't know how many cylinder, four-cylinder, you know, engine here. They're not the same thing. It's not going to be the same thing. And there are advantages and disadvantages to both. And the same is true here for these kinds of ships. The bottom line is you can absolutely positively have a great time on all these ships. You can, Your family can have a great time. There's Adventure Ocean available on all these ships. Your kids can still have a great time on board. I think the difference is if you're saying, Matt, the only way my family, what my family is looking for, not maybe the only way, but we're looking for, you know, flow riders and we're looking for uh, zip lines and we're looking for shows, you know, all the time. No, maybe this isn't the right fit for you. But what they lack in those features, they make up for in just, hey, let's have a 
a relaxing vacation. Let's hang by the pool. Let's go play mini golf. Let's see a show or two, maybe watch a movie by the pool. These are great experiences. So, you know, it's important to understand what the ship offers and what it doesn't offer and kind of take it from there. A classic example, I, I've shared the story probably, I don't know, a half dozen times on this podcast, but it's still worth mentioning. My first time on Brilliance of the Seas, I was in the solarium and a gentleman started talking to me. We had a good conversation and then the conversation goes, you know, I think I'm probably as how are you enjoying the cruise, something like that, you know, just kind of a question I didn't even expect him to answer. And he goes, oh, well, you know, it's fine, but you know, we were just on Oasis of the Seas and this ship is nothing compared to that ship. You know, we're really disappointed in that. And I was thinking to myself, it's like, course it doesn't compare they're nothing like each other so it's really about expectations and understanding what it offers what it doesn't offer and going from there next up let's go back to our list here the vision class and Royal Caribbean designed its vision classrooms to fit into almost any port which means you can travel to some of the most exotic ports around the world just like the radiance class vision class ships combine a small size with many activities that have been added over the years and vision class ships really do offer quite a bit to do, but uh, the, it's great for relaxing. We're talking about grandeur of the seas, rhapsody, enchantment, and vision of the seas. Now, there used to be more ships in this fleet, but some have been uh, sold off to other cruise companies, so you've got four left anyway. And uh, what's the reason to choose the vision class are the impressive itineraries that other ships in the fleet just simply cannot offer. I mean, this is just really the, the main focus. Vision class highlights include adults-only solarium area, a bungee trampoline on Enchantment of the Seas, rock climbing wall, specialty dining options, outdoor movie screen, and Broadway-style shows. I've sailed on Rhapsody of the Seas, and the Rhapsody, of course, being a, a Vision-class ship. And, you know, I think if you're booking a Vision-class, you're probably booking for one of two reasons. Number one, the price, but more likely number two, where it's going. There are some incredible places the Vision-class can get to and this is really, uh, I think, if you're looking for some of the most interesting and varied itineraries, you're talking about the Vision class of ships. They're similar to the Radiance class but in size, but actually the Vision class, I think, inside probably resembles more the Sovereign class, which we'll talk about next, more than anything. But it's a great ship. It's a smaller ship. Uh, and again, I think it's the itinerary that should probably be drawing you to this particular class. Now, the next is the Sovereign class. There's only one left in the fleet. That is Majesty of the Seas. But again, don't judge the last Sovereign class ship by her age or size because Royal Caribbean has been updating her regularly to keep her in line with the rest of the fleet's offerings. And she still offers a fun time. I went on board Majesty of the Seas uh, 2018 for a Cuba itinerary. Obviously, we can't go to Cuba anymore. But uh, the, some of the changes they made to the ship in 2016 really added some really neat features there. And I think when it comes to Majesty, number one thing is price. It's going to be extremely cheap to go on this ship. Number two, uh, the Royal Caribbean just announced that she's going to be sailing out of round, year round of New Orleans. So regardless of where she is, I think the bottom line is they're going to be using this as an opportunity to get to other ports. Again, serve New Orleans, which is a port that Royal Caribbean largely has only partially ever visited, never really given a dedicated vessel. So maybe this is an opportunity for someone who lives in the area to go enjoy a cruise on there. And, you know, if you're looking for a quick getaway, uh, I, I think, Majesty of the Seas is a splendid choice for relaxing by the pool, visiting nearby ports of call, and enjoy taking it, quite frankly, easy on board. That's what it's all about. You wake up in the morning, you enjoy a wonderful meal. Actually, uh, Majesty of the Seas has, pro I would say, one of the, if not the best, uh, counter service complimentary options in Compass Deli. Compass Deli is located behind the Windjamer, and if you go there, it's only open. It's open usually when the Windjamer is not, especially late night. 
and it combines like Park Cafe, Sorrentos, and something, I don't even know, Loco Fresh really, into one. It is a really, it's probably one of the most eclectic options that you can find, especially for late at night. Like if you ever have late night munchies, you want to go to the Compass Deli. It is that good. And it's just a great way to kind of just get away from it all. Uh, you know, relax by the pool, have a beach day. You know, it's really about the ports you're visiting, not so much about the ship, but while on board, it's still fun. It's it's still a fun way to do it to enjoy. And our last class of ships is Empress of the Seas. And Empress is actually one in its own. Every other class we've talked about, there's been multiple ships in that class. Empress was actually built, she was the only one ever built for her size. She's the oldest and smallest ship in the fleet, but she's designed really to bring you to some amazing itineraries. Now, she was originally brought back. So let's, a little bit of history lesson. Empress of the Seas was actually first called Nordic Empress. Then she changed over to Empress of the Seas when Royal Command adopted that whole of the seas moniker. And she did her itineraries and they had a good time. And they said, okay, well, Empress of the Seas, thanks for uh, so long. Thanks for all the fish. Enjoy. They transferred her to another company called Pullmanter. And she was over there. And basically that's where, you know, it's not uncommon that when cruise ships reach a certain age, they get transferred off to another company to be to serve on elsewhere, right? Okay. Well, then Cuba opened up. And the problem with Cuba is the port facilities that were so small and antiquated that you can't fit a Freedom or Voyager or even a Radiance class ship in there. So as a result, they needed to bring Empress back to the fleet to serve this particular role. And they spent a ton of money upgrading this ship to get her back up to Royal Caribbean standards. And now she offers, she was brought back for Cuba. Cuba's not available anymore, but now she's offers some really incredible itineraries. You know, you got sailings that do multiple overnights in Bermuda. You've got sailings out of Montreal, Canada. And of course, in the wintertime, you also go down to Miami and offer some great visits to some of the favorite highlights there in the Caribbean, especially Perfect Day at Coco Key. Uh, you know, I think Empress of the Seas was designed for not only a class cruise experience, but they really try to make it a endearing and fun little ship. You know, it is obviously because it's small, it's not going to offer you a ton of activities and things to do on board. But if you're saying, Matt, I want to wake up on a ship. I want to go to the pool. I want to hang out. And that's basically, that's all I need. You know, maybe some nightly, nightly entertainment, a couple bars. That's all I'm really looking for. I don't need to be, you know, wazzle, you know, wowed and dazzled and have an overwhelming things that they do. I just want to enjoy a classic cruise experience. This is the ship for you. And when we're talking about, you know, the size, I mean, this is, this is one of the questions we already talked about this earlier, but I need to talk about it again, which is the size people one. Number one, uh, I'm worried about the size because I'm worried about getting seasick. Don't be, I tell everybody, no matter what ship you're sailing on, the size of the ship is, ir is not irrelevant, but it's not nearly this fact, a big of a factor as you're, you're thinking of uh, in terms of getting seasick or not. I would always say ocean conditions are always going to be the most number one reason why you're going to have motion in the ocean. And you could have that on an Oasis class ship. You could have it on Empress of the Seas. Now, granted, the effects may be different on a smaller size ship. But I would also tell you that, number one, Royal Caribbean does not go, oh, there's a storm ahead of us. Well, whatever. We're going to keep going through it. They go around these things. I, not to worry about it. I would tell you, do not nearly be concerned. Do not book your cruises purely based on that. Number two. Empress of the Seas is going to enjoy some fantastic pricing. Number three, it is really about enjoying, it's a throwback. Empress, it really is a throwback. And if you're interested, if you love cruising, if you've gotten to the point in your cruise career where you're saying, you know what, Matt, I, uh, you know, I've cruised a lot. The ports are nice. I've been to them all, you know, at least in North America. It's not so much for me. I just want to be on a cruise ship. I just, I love that the atmosphere, the experience, 
Empress is a fantastic choice for you. I, I really feel like that's the uh, a, a great idea. I have not sold an Empress of the Seas yet, so I'm putting my money where my mouth is here. I'd like to go. My wife, not so much. She likes the bigger ships. That's her style. And that's, why, again, why I tell people to start off on the bigger class of ships and then work their way around the fleet, depending on what they're looking for, where they want to go, variety of other factors there. It's not to say that Empress is a bad choice for your first cruise. I'm not saying that. I don't think there's any ship in the fleet I don't recommend. That, that's the number one thing I always tell people. But at the same time, I would say if you're a family of four, you're probably better off going on a different ship, at least to begin with, and then work your way around to each their own, right? There's always different strokes for different folks. Same is true for Empress of the Seas. Now, there is one more class of ships that we haven't talked about because they're not out yet. That's the Icon class. Uh, Royal Caribbean's Icon class ships are something that they've mentioned they're building. We know very few details about it. Um, they've been, and Royal Caribbean has been very quiet about it. In fact, these new ships will handle about 5,000 passengers and will be built using new fuel technology, including liquid nitrogen gas and fuel cells. This technology has been used on space shuttles and satellites for years, and is a much greener way of powering ships. The first two Icon class ships will debut in 2022 and 2024. So we don't know anything really about them at this point. That's literally, I just read everything we knew about them to you, but keep an eye out. It'll be coming out in the next couple of years. So it's always important, I think, to know about what's coming and keep it in the back of your mind. But when we're talking about classes of ships, they really are categorizations, groupings of different ships to give you an idea. Even the Voyager class, which these days is so hard to lump together anymore because they're so differentiated. It, it's about really the size, some of the basic amenities, right? The, the Voyager class is Royal Promenade. The Radiance class is the Centrum. Empress of the Seas is... Empress of the Seas and the Oasis class just offers everything and, and more on board. That's really what you're talking about when we're talking about ship classes. All right, time to answer some of your listener emails. You can always send me your email by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from Colin. Right, hi, Matt. My family and I just got off Ovation of the Seas for its inaugural year cruising round trip to Alaska from Seattle. We were a party of 12 with ages ranging from 70 to 6. Ship was amazing. Here's some bullet points from our trip. Both indoor and outdoor pools were heated, which were great for the kids. The covered seating on the pool deck was perfect for the breathtaking views of Canada and Alaska, not to mention the many humpback whale sightings. During sea days, the ship did seem a little more crowded at popular activities such as trivia, North Star, bumper cars, and the C-Plex. I recommend arriving to those activities an hour ahead of schedule. The staff was absolutely incredible, from our room steward to the bartenders, iFly instructor, and wait staff in the restaurants and buffet. The elevators were very busy during peak times, but we took the stairs to get more steps in so we could counteract all the Bloody Marys and fish and chips. Speaking of fish and ship chips, fish and chips, which replaced the Kung Fu noodle bar on the ship, is amazing. Complimentary options include the Pollock fish and chips, chips, I mean, I can't say that, a solid included option, chicken tenders with chips, and a fish sandwich with chips. Upcharges include the halibut fish and chips, which was fantastic, fried lobster tail, and a deep fried candy Mars bar. Ooh. We purchased the three-night dining package and couldn't have been happier with Jamie's, Wonderlands, and Chops. Our port days were great. In Juneau, we saw Mendenhall Glacier and went whale watching We where we saw two pods of orcas and several humpback whales. In Skagway, we took a bus to the top of the White Mountain Pass and boarded the train to take us all the way back down. A must-do for Alaska first-timers. Because the sailing only has two stops in Alaska, we had a full day in Victoria, British Columbia, which was perfect. Took a private bike tour all over the city and had lunch at a local restaurant overlooking the harbor. This is a great first time trip to Alaska with a large group. We'll definitely be back with a round trip from Vancouver or a one-way from Vancouver to Seward. Colin, thanks for the email. 
And my friend, I am so excited to do this exact itinerary that you just talked about. Uh, June 5th, I'm going on Ovation of the Seas uh, for that. And I did, as I think I talked about earlier in this podcast, I went uh, to Alaska last year, June 2018, uh, on Explorer of the Seas, and I loved it so much. I was, I told my wife, I was like, we need to come back. We, I, <laughs> this is not a choice. We, we need to come back. And so YOLO, book it. We're going back again. Uh, next is an email from Buffy Robbins of Edwardsburg, Michigan. Hello, Matt. You and RoakerBeanBlog.com came into my life about a year ago as I was planning my first cruise in 20 years. My husband, daughter who's 11, son who's 16, and my mother and father-in-law. Back in 1998, my husband and I cruised on Royal Caribbean's Nordic Empress for our honeymoon with no research or planning. Since then, I've grown a family and the love for planning elaborate vacations. After discovering your site last year, I became a student of your blog and podcast and used all your great advice and the Royal Caribbean blog community to plan our spring break seven-night Western Caribbean cruise on Allure of the Seas. Props to Michelle from MEI Travel as well, who was great at coordinating everything with my in-laws. Here are my thoughts and highlights from our cruise. We had my time dining, which we really enjoyed. I reserved our dining times in advance around our port schedules, shows, and activities, and the same table and waitstaff the entire week. Our ninth deck exterior balcony was right outside the aft elevators, which was a perfect location for quickly getting to places we needed to go to the most, and noise and commotion were never a problem. We made great use of the ship's photographers, getting about 75 pictures taken that we love so much we bought the photo package on the ship. I wish I had bought that through the cruise planner for about 50 bucks less, live and learn. For our first port stop in NASA, we booked a four-hour private historical tour through Island Marketing Limited. Being able to spread the cost of our tour over the six of us and having the driver take us exactly where we wanted to go was such a better deal than Royal Caribbean's bus tours. At the end of the tour, our driver dropped us off at the Jetline Simulator where the boys had a reservation and the ladies walked back to the ship with a stop at the Straw Market. My son got to pilot the Jet Simulator while the men watched from the back seat. Very cool and highly recommended. In Cozumel, we did the Reef Explorer Semi-Sub, which is fine but nothing special. In Roatan, we had another private tour with Island Marketing with stops at Arches Iguana Reserve, Daniel Johnson's Monkey and Sloth Hangout, and the West Bay Beach. This was our favorite port day. Staying out so long, we could uh, we cut our return to the ship almost too close for comfort. Good thing our driver advised us that we skipped the touring an area under road construction, or we might have missed <laughs> the all on board. That night, we did hibachi, which was amazing. In Costa Maya, we finally dished my in-laws. Just kidding. We love them <laughs> for separate shore excursions. While they went to the Chaco Bend Ruins bus tour, we went deep sea fishing again with Alan Marketing. Yes, we definitely put all our eggs in one basket, booking so many shore excursions with one vendor, but they were great and I highly recommend them. On our sea days, we did the cupcake decorating, guacamole class, and the galley tour and champagne brunch. The guac class was good for the tequila shots and lunch, but we were disappointed that we didn't actually make the guacamole, only watch the chef do it, so it wasn't much of a class as a demonstration. The galley tour seemed really overbooked, with about 30 of us touring the galley with only one tour guide trying to point out things we couldn't see. Her voice didn't carry to the back of the group. But the cupcake class was fun, We where we made huge double-decker poodle cakes with more frosting than you can believe. Things went so well on this cruise, I guess we were due for a major problem coming home. Our Southwest air flight was canceled, and the last minute due to the Boeing 737 MAX grounding, we couldn't fly home until the next morning. No, uh, but... Props again to Michelle from MEI Travel for so quickly arranging a hotel and ground transportation for us and getting us hooked up with our Allianz travel insurance agent to start a claim. So glad we got the insurance because it made a really bad situation not bad at all. Only a couple months after being home, I booked a Southern Caribbean cruise on Freedom of the Seas from San Juan to the ABC Islands of St. Martin. Unfortunately, it's not until April 2021. Only 648 days to go. Oh my God. Buffy, thank you so much for the email. And I'm so glad to hear you had an awesome awesome sailing and i love how much you plan there 
I love that you spent the time to figure out the right plans there. You booked your own shore excursions and you be, it sounded like you really did your homework on this one. And I am so glad, so glad to hear you an awesome, awesome time with your in-laws, especially. Next, we have an email from Robert. He says, I often hear you discuss the drink package. I'm struggling to justify the cost of an upcoming nine-night cruise to New Zealand on Ovation of the Seas. It's my birthday cruise, so it should be a no-brainer. But in Aussie dollars, even with Royal Caribbean sale, that's $72.06 per day for the drink package. So $145 for the two of us. My wife doesn't drink that much. So for... $1,307, we can book another cruise. Also, we are diamonds, so normally come at 5.30 p.m. We make camp at the Diamond Lounge and enjoy. However, on this sailing, there'll be eight of us going and who all got the drink package as part of their cabin booking offer, which we could not have as we had another greater offer from Royal Caribbean and there are five sea days. Help, I need the Oracle of Royal Caribbean to guide me to the right decision on this critical issue. Robert, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you advice and I'm gonna tell you this based on my own personal experience, similar situations, Robert, because we've done... Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruises. And I'm Diamond as well, just like you, Robert. And I said to my wife, and my wife said to me, you know what, self, wife, hey, wife, uh, we're Diamond members. We're, we're, we're adults. We can, you know, we don't need the drink package. All our friends are going to have it. We'll be fine. And Robert, I will tell you, I regretted it. If you was just you and your wife and no one else, yeah, it's a lot easier. But when your friends all have the drink package, and it's not to say that your friends are going to be going full spring break mode and asking you to do tequila shots every couple of minutes. More that it's just more of a social thing. And in my opinion, yes, it's expensive, but here's how you justify it, Robert. Number one, you're going with your friends and you don't want to be that guy who's sitting there like, no, I don't need a drink, guys. I'll, I'll wait till five o'clock. And you know what I mean? I think it's more of a social thing than a, of course, you don't need it. No one needs a drink package. You don't, but need is the key word there. You know, I often tell my kids when they're like, we need to go see some new movie or we need this new toy. I'm like, you don't need to, you want to. Same is true with the drink package, Robert. You want to do it. I will tell you, buy it. I would tell you, buy it ahead of time. Break up total cost of the cruise. You know, you're going on this cruise. I don't think you gave me the date on this particular sailing. But let's assume your sailing is not until next year or a couple months from now, right? Book it today. Pay it off. It's much easier to just break up the total cost. I'm telling you, because your friends are on board, I'm telling you to do it. I know it's it's not the cheapest thing in the world. Look for cruise planner pricing sales. You can always cancel and rebook. Heck, you can always cancel and just cancel it if you change your mind a month from now. But at the very least, I really feel like it's the right course of action because your friends are going to be there. I, I I've been there, I've done that, and you know I know my, my mom always told me it's like you don't need to have you don't need to have a drink to have a good time. But she sounds exactly like that, by the way. But the <laughs> but while that's true. It, it's just a lot more fun. And I, I would hate for you to get on that board that's sailing and be like, I wish I'd bought the drink package. And now we're sitting here and everyone else having a good time. And we're still having a good time, but it'd be nice to have it. And I understand, look, I, my wife is not a big drinker as well, but it's just sometimes that peace of mind. This is why I go back. I've gone back and forth in the drink package so many times. And it's not about the value anymore for me, it, about the, the dollar per dollar, all that. It's about the convenience factor and the budgeting ability. That, to me, is what makes the drink package so compelling. Next, we have an email from Jessica from Michigan. Who writes, love the podcast. We're longtime Disney cruisers, but we finally took the plunge on a three-night sailing on Symphony of the Seas and had a great time. My question is about when sailings are released. I see spring 2021 is out, but when do you think we'll see summer 2021, especially Alaska or Europe? Additionally, when can we expect itinerary announcements for new ships like Ovation or the new Oasis Clash ship? Finally, thank you for plugging MEI Travel. Our agent is so much more helpful than our last one we used. Thanks for all your help, and thanks for the great listening on my long drive home from work every day. 
Jessica, so glad for the uh, you sent me this email. Thank you. So when will the new itineraries come out? Generally speaking, based on again, we don't I don't know this definitively, Jessica, but historically speaking, if you look at trends, Royal Caribbean puts out its itineraries in two batches. The first batch comes out in the late at the end of the year. Let's call this November timeframe. And you'll get uh, one subset of sailings there, and then the rest come out in the spring. So the answer to your question is, at the very least, it'll start off in around November or so, and the rest come out like in the spring around February through really March and April is what we'll say. And uh, Europe generally comes out in the springtime, whereas the the fall one, that November time, where you get more of the Caribbean itineraries. It's not always the case. It can vary. And again, I'm telling you this information based on what Royal Caribbean has done in years past. They may change it up completely this year. Who knows? But of course, as soon as I do know, I will post that at royalcaribbeanblog.com. And of course, your MEI agent can absolutely uh, hook you up, Jessica. Let them know exactly what you're looking for because they can, I'm sure you read the blog all the time, duh. But uh, they, your, your travel agent can also assist you in making sure that you are plugged in as soon as they become available to, to, to book. So Really glad to hear you enjoyed your first cruise and looking forward to hearing about your next couple sailings, Jessica. And I say couple because I know you're going to book more than one. All right, time for one or two more emails. Our next email is from Ray who writes, Hi Matt, found your blog and podcast and love them. Thanks for your time and efforts to put this together. My questions are regarding our upcoming Alaska trip on Ovation. Number one, my wife and I just turned platinum members on our last cruise and we'll take my mother-in-law on her first cruise. She has some mobility issues. Would, you, would she be allowed to come with us in the platinum line? I think Ray talks, is talking about embarkation day, like when you're in the port and coming on there. Uh, Ray, it depends on the port. The peer agents, the port agents that work there, I've seen it both ways, Ray. I have seen agents who are like, oh, yeah, no problem. And some are like, oh, excuse me, your mother-in-law must go to this line. You go to that line. You could obviously go wait with her. You go to the lesser line. Um, I would tell you, ask politely. Heck, what I would really tell you to do, Ray, is what I call the fullback method. You present all three boarding passes. Uh, they usually just look at the one on top, put your mother-in-law's on the bottom, you'll be fine in there. But you should be prepared for the answer to be technically no. Uh, and if the answer is no, so you know your, your, your mother-in-law needs to board when they call uh, platinum members, then wait with her on the platinum line. I mean, there's no harm in that. And we're talking about a couple minutes difference, really between platinum and, um, or she's in gold or wherever she's at. It's really not gonna be that much. I would also tell you that more than anything, right, it really depends on when you show up to the, the terminal earlier, you'll be fine. And Ray's other question is, are there any wheelchairs available on board we could use or rent if she happens to need one? Currently, she walks with a cane, but I'm afraid she might be too much walking for her. Now, if you want to get a wheelchair, I recommend you should get it beforehand. Um, they don't offer them on board to rent, so you need to provide your own, whether that's a foldable one, whether that's an electrified one, whatever the case may be, you definitely want to make those plans in advance. So thank you for the email, Ray. And we have time for one more email here, and that is going to be coming to us from... Uh, James Gregg from Kansas City, Missouri writes, Hi, Matt. I have to start by saying I love your blog and your show. I'm so jealous hearing about all your cruises, but I love every minute of it. Two things for you. Number one, in your podcast episode about balcony rooms, you mentioned neighborhood balconies are a good alternative, but a relatively new uh, parent, as a relatively new parent, I should say, I think you missed the best thing about them. The last cruise we took on them with our then one-year-old son, we had a normal balcony. When we went to bed, my wife and I were stuck on the balcony reading at night. It was nice, but we went, but we were cut off from the rest of the ship. If we could have, we would have booked a neighborhood balcony. We could have put him in bed and enjoyed live music and the ambiance of Central Park or the excitement of the and water show in the boardwalk. We could have been on the balcony but still connected to the energy of the ship. And second, 
In one of your comments on the Oasis deck by deck changes post, you mentioned that Adventure Ocean is changing from structured activities to more open play. My kids aren't old enough to have done Adventure Ocean, but they will but they will be for our next cruise. Can you talk more about this change? I believe they mentioned Adventure Ocean structure programming is better than open play for, for other lines like Disney. But what do you think any of your kids like this change? Thank you. Oh, wow. Uh, first of all, I love your tip about the neighborhood balconies. James, you're you're not wrong on that. I lo love that advice. In terms of the Adventure Ocean changes, they're relatively new. As of today, the only ship that has this change is Navigator of the Seas. It's coming to Oasis, as you mentioned. And my kids have not been on the ship yet to experience it firsthand. So I can only see this from, um, you know, the outside looking in. The benefits of this model, there are two major benefits of this model. Number one, it allows all kids of all ages to be together, which at first seems like a problem because how can three-year-olds and 10-year-olds possibly want to be in the same room together? First of all, the, the space is massive. They they took, they took literally took down the walls that separated uh, Aquanauts, Voyagers, and Explorers and just built this giant room. So obviously the 10-year-olds are not going to want to hang out with the three-year-olds and vice versa. They'll be in different areas. The staff is still going to offer structured activities. I think the difference is they're supposed to also offer just like, you know, if the kids, if someone just wants to color or play video games or whatever, they have that opportunity to do so. And again, I have not seen this in in, in, in practice. And number two or three, I don't know what, what number I'm up to here. The other really big benefit is probably a question you've heard on this podcast a lot. And I've gotten it so many times over the years is you've got a family, whether they're siblings, cousins, friends, whatever. You know, one is uh, six years old, one is nine years old, one is four years old. They want to be in the same group together. Well, under the old model, that was, not, I don't say impossible, but it was very difficult because usually you'd have to ask about it, and there was a good chance they would say no to it, but you never know. Anyway, I think Royal has gotten so many of those requests these days that this model allows that to just simplify. That way, if you've got other siblings, they can all be in the same room. So that's a really nice thing. Now. I would tell you that the structured model where they offer, okay, we're going to do X, then Y, then Z, as opposed to, hey, everybody, come on in, and it's just, you know, free play. I, I feel like they're still trying to do some structured activities. Like, they're still going to do things. It's not quite just like the ball pit at, you know, a fast food restaurant where it's like, all right, this is the holding pen, and come pick them up whenever you want. It, it, it still offers, it's a blend, really. I, I Again, my kids have not experienced it yet, so I can't give you firsthand experience on this yet. I'm hopeful they'll be able to do that soon. But as soon as they do, we'll be sure to share this at uh, right here on the podcast as well. So, uh, James, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Be sure to check out royalcaribbeanblog.com for more information. Uh, thanks so much for everything. Until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again real soon.